this last week at our life group, we were talking about the value of biblical meditation. And so I decided this weekend to focus on one verse of Scripture. One verse and even one phrase in this one verse that I want to encourage you in the next week to focus your attention on and to meditate on because it's life-changing. The title of my message today is Learn to Fall Forward. Learn to fall forward. And this one verse is found in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. If you want to turn there, please, Proverbs 24, 16. I love the book of Proverbs because its pages are filled with wisdom you can actually live by. You in a world that sometimes rarely makes sense, you can read a book that actually makes sense. Because it's filled with godly counsel. It's filled with godly wisdom. It's filled with simple one-liners that you can actually live by. Like Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. Or verse 22, a merry heart does good like medicine. Or verse 28, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. Or Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of man will sustain him in sickness and my all-time favorite, Proverbs 21.19, better to dwell in the wilderness than with an angry woman. That's a good one. Some of the best advice I've ever received, I've found in the book of Proverbs. Some of the best advice I've ever given, I've found in the book of Proverbs. And I can tell you honestly that there are many, many times in my life that I've found wisdom and direction and strength by simply reading the book of Proverbs. Like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. How many know that proverb? I want to encourage you as I begin this message today, start reading the book of Proverbs. Start meditating on one proverb a day. Take one proverb a day and meditate on it, and in 31 days, you'll go through the entire book. And I guarantee you, if you meditate on those proverbs, and if you practice what you're meditating on and reading, it'll actually change your life. You'll live a more fulfilled, uh, happier life than you've ever dreamed possible by living the book of Proverbs. Today, I want to talk about one of those one-liners in Proverbs that you can live by. One of those sayings that actually makes sense. So today I'm going to give you some words from the wise that will encourage you to keep trying when you feel like you're getting nowhere. One-liner from Proverbs that will help you keep going when you feel like giving up. That will help you keep moving forward. Because eventually if you keep at it, you're going to succeed. Some great advice from Proverbs 24, 16. Look at it with me, please. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. In the Living Bible Translation, don't you know that this good man, though you trip him up seven times, will each time rise again? And look at it in the message paraphrase. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet. I like that one. So today we're going to talk about learning how to fall forward. 
And I'm going to give you some practical advice from this one proverb for you to meditate on that I guarantee you would change your life. Advice number one, realize that walking and falling go together. Walking and falling, they go together. Now, every parent knows that as your toddler is learning how to walk, you want to protect them from serious injury while not protecting them from falling. Because you realize that falling and walking go together. And you realize as a good parent that your child will never learn to walk if they're afraid to fall. So you don't overreact when they fall. Now you know why God doesn't overreact when you fall. So the first step in learning to fall forward is to realize the fact that you're going to fall when you walk. Now some of you may be thinking, wait a second, Pastor, are you setting me up for failure? No. Not realizing the fact that you human will set you up for failure. Not realizing the fact that you have an enemy will set you up for failure. Not realizing the fact that faith is a fight will set you up for failure. Not realizing that you have an old nature that the first opportunity will try to rise up and take over will set you up for failure. Not realizing that you can fall will set you up for failure. I've got some news for you today. Being saved doesn't make you a saint. Doesn't. In fact, you can nudge your spouse and go, see, I told you. Being saved doesn't make you a saint, but it does give you a way to understand a new way of living. It does give you a way to understand there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Having Christ in your life doesn't exempt you from failure. But having Christ in your life does give you the power to overcome when you fall. Anybody glad for that? I become better at preaching when I overcome the fear of sticking my foot in my mouth. I become better at preaching when I realize the longer I preach, the more opportunities I have to fail. I'm going to tell you a couple of old preaching stories that I've told a couple of you. There was an old preacher one day. He was conducting a wedding for a young couple in his church. And this young couple wanted the first thing that they did as a married couple. They wanted to take communion in front of everybody. So at the appropriate time in the midst of the service, the old preacher turned to the couple and said, Now it's time to go and consummate your marriage. And the young couple stood there rooted it on the platform and Shock filled their faces, and he thought, well, maybe they haven't heard me clearly. So he said a little louder in front of all the guests in their family, now it's time to go and consummate your marriage. And they didn't move. So he said it as kindly as and encouraging as he could. He said, listen, it's okay. Just like we practiced last night at rehearsal, go back behind those flowers and consummate your marriage. And the old preacher's wife spoke from the congregation my, my husband means commemorate, not consummate. Years ago, I preached a message. It's a great message. It's called, It's Time to Break Through. And unfortunately, that message has become known affectionately as the famous knockers message. 
the knocker's message. I was encouraging the people to get serious with God about breaking through the victory. And I quoted the scripture, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. And I encourage the people that sometimes you can't break through with help, help from others who have learned this valuable principle. Other people who know how to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. But unfortunately, that's not what I said. I said that sometimes you need people with bigger knockers than you have. But I said it with passion and I said it with zeal. And I said it probably three times in the midst of the message. Sometimes you need people with bigger knockers than you have. And after the message, I walked off the platform and one of the ladies of our church, I won't name her name, but she's married to Ken. She said to me with a big smile, Pastor, I'm so glad God's giving me bigger knockers than you. And her and Ken looked at me and laughed at me. And I didn't even realize what they said. I just waved and walked off the platform. And then I got home. And I was surrounded by my three teenage sons. Dad, do you realize what you said today in the service? So the next weekend, I try to fix it. And I begin my message the following weekend by saying this. I've heard that I may have misspoken last weekend's message. So I just want to take a few moments to clear the air and get a few things off my chest. <laughs> and they start laughing again. And I realized at that moment, I did it again. Three months later, I'm coming home from church and Nathan's got a few friends over. And they're listening to something on Nathan's iPod. And as I walk up into the living room, I hear Nathan go, Hey, wait, wait here, guys, here it comes, here it comes. Boo, here it is. And I say those famous words, and everybody goes, Boo hoo hoo hoo. Three months later, I've realized the longer I preach, the more times I'm going to have an opportunity to make a mistake. And I've had to overcome that fear to be a good preacher. And I'm a good preacher. Thank you. I needed that. You see, one of the main reasons why believers fall and fail to move forward is because they're afraid of falling. And if you're going to learn to walk this Christian walk with any measure of success, you've got to overcome that fear. If you're going to learn to walk this Christian walk with any measure of success, you must overcome the fear of going higher, the fear of going deeper. Because you've got to understand, in life as well as in your Christian life, walking and falling go together. And God recognizes that. That's why you won't see God overreacting when you fall. He'll just give you the power to overcome that falling. Is that encouraging to somebody? The second piece of advice is this. Accept the fact that you have limitations. You have limitations. And this is part of the challenge that we have as Christians. We think that because we serve a God with no limitations, then we can live a life with no limitations. And that's not true. That's not true. Is God unlimited? Yes. Is God perfect? Yes. 
Does he have unlimited resources, unlimited supply, unlimited abilities? Yes. But here's the truth. You are not God. You're not God. You have, you have access to an unlimited God, but you're not unlimited. You have access to a perfect God, but you're not perfect. You have access to everything God possesses, but you are not God. You have limitations. And the sooner you realize this fact, the more freer you'll become. Have you ever noticed that as you get older, your limitations become more pronounced? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, I used to be able to function well with just a few hours sleep, but not anymore. I used to be able to play football with my sons without suffering for five days later, but not anymore. I used to be able to do renovations in my house and go up and down ladders and carry heavy things without taking Advil every time I went home, but not anymore. The older I get, the more limitations I have, the more boundaries I have. Many people fail not because God is limited, because they can't accept the fact that they are limited. So they fail. Listen, if the devil does anything good, he's good at pushing boundaries and pushing limitations. He's good at that. He's good at getting you to go beyond your limitations and go beyond your boundaries while you think you can handle it, while you think God is going to keep you from failure. And I'm going to say something here that's very strong, but I say it with a lot of love. God is not obligated to protect you from your own stubbornness and your own stupidity. Admit it. Admit it. You have limitations. Admit it, you have natural and spiritual boundaries, and many of these have been set in place by God himself. And if you violate those limitations, if you violate those boundaries, you're going to suffer the agonizing consequences. So admit you have them. And this is what I find so funny. We all accepted Christ with all our limitations, all our weaknesses, all our imperfections, all our sins, we all accepted Christ at the point of our deepest flaw and our deepest fault and our deepest failure. But now that we've accepted Christ, we think we're supposed to be perfect. Christianity is not the achievement of perfection. I want to say this again because some of you struggle with this religious pressure that spiritual maturity is perfection. It's not. Did you just hear me? Spiritual maturity is not perfection. Christianity is not the achievement of perfection. It's the realization that we all fall short of God's glory. It's the realization that without Christ and God's grace in our life, we're all destined for destruction because of our limitations and because of the boundaries in our life. I'll just put it to you this way. The day you achieve perfection, the day you have no limitations and no more boundaries, the day you make no mistakes, you have no faults, no failures, no difficulties in life, that's the day you're dead. I mean, I, I was counseling this wife one day, and she was so hurt. She was so upset, and 
she was crying in my office, and after she got a hold of herself, I asked her, well, why are you so upset? And she looked at me with big tears in her eyes, and she said, I finally found out the guy of my dreams that I married is not perfect. And after I got over my emotions, <laughs> what? After I got over my emotions, we talked about what marriage is. You see, listen, if you're married, I want you to understand this today. The absence of conflict in a marriage means you have a dead marriage. Just like the absence of change in your faith means you have dead faith. And just like in a marriage, your goal in life is not perfection, it's progress. There's a big difference. And even in Christ, perfection should not be your goal. Jesus should be your goal. Just like in a marriage, perfection should not be your goal. Your spouse should be your goal. Listen, Jesus did not die to make you faultless. He died to move you forward. That's what being born again is, moving you forward. Only as you submit your flaws, your failures, your faults to the Lord daily are you going to get any better. That's some good advice. Number three, determine to learn from your mistakes. This is so important. Determine to learn from your mistakes. So it's Saturday. I'm putting the final touches on the sanctuary that we were renovating. I'm spray painting the walls, but I'm in a hurry. And I want everybody to have that wow factor when they come into church on Sunday morning. So I come up with this great idea. You see, I'm on a lift way up high, and I'm spray painting the walls, and I decided to hurry things up, to really make it that wow factor for everybody when they come in the next morning. I'm going to spray paint the walls and operate the lift at the same time. And I bang into the wall. And I spent the rest of the Saturday fixing the two-foot hole that I made in the wall with white drywall mud. And I guarantee you the next morning everybody had that wow factor, not because of my perfect paint job, but because of the mistake I made. Now you laugh, but listen, what would have happened to those walls if I hadn't learned from my first mistake? Boom, 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 there were holes everywhere. How many of our lives resemble that? Because we don't learn from our first mistake. Come on. This truth is so clear. If you don't determine to learn from your mistakes, you're destined to repeat your mistakes. And many people are locked up in a cycle of failure, not because they're a failure, but because they don't learn from their failures. There's a big difference. Did Jesus, by his power, break the sin cycle in your life? Yes, you should thank him every day for that. But if you don't learn to overcome the sin cycle, you're destined to sin again, even though Jesus overcame it for you. That's called sanctification. That's called growth. That's called learning to be a mature Christian. 
There's a story I was told one time about this new manager replacing an old manager of a Fortune 500 company. And he made that company millions and millions of dollars. He was very successful. He was retiring. And so it was his last opportunity, this new manager, to sit down with the old manager one last time to talk to him about his business. He's sitting across the desk after it's all cleaned up and the boxes are in the corner. He's ready to go. And the new manager says to him this one final question. He asks him, he says, how did you achieve all this success? And the old manager takes off his glasses and looks at the new manager who's going to replace him and smiles and says this one word three times, decisions, decisions, decisions. But the new manager says, but how did you learn how to make all these decisions that led to this success and made your company so many millions of dollars. And he looked at him and smiled and he said this three times, bad decisions, bad decisions, bad decisions. This is the reason why most of the Old Testament is written. So that you and I would learn from Israel's bad decisions. In fact, the book of Hebrews talks to us about the faults and failures of the nation of Israel as a warning to us. Look at with me, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Listen to this. Listen to this. They tested me, they tried me, they saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And then he says, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's sin to not admit that you make mistakes. And can I tell you this? It's a worse sin to not learn from them. Here's another religious pressure I just want to relieve you from by saying this. Here you go. You're never, ever going to be mistake-free. I'm sorry. I know some of you thought it would be different, but it's not true. You're never going to be mistake-free. While you're breathing, you're always going to make mistakes. But you gain the wisdom you need to achieve what's ahead of you when you determine to learn from the mistakes that are behind you. Isn't that good advice? Number four. This is how you learn to move forward. Number four, give yourself permission to begin again. Give yourself permission to begin again. This is the only way you're going to learn how to move forward. This is the only way you're going to overcome your flaws. This is the only way you're going to overcome your faults, your failures, mistakes that you will make. You've got to give yourself permission to begin again. Have you ever heard this phrase, God is the God of second chances? Have you ever heard that phrase? God's the God of second chances. No, he's not. He's not the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. He's the God of many chances. Aren't you glad for that? He doesn't just end at two. 
I'm so glad, because if he did, I'd be dead. God gives you so many chances. You know why? He wants to give you another opportunity to begin again. That's what being born again is all about. That's what the gospel message is all about. Jesus Christ died on the cross so you could begin again. God's grace. As we showed you the video earlier, God's grace is unlimited to someone who's humble enough to admit they failed. God's grace is given to someone in an unlimited supply who's humble enough to admit they made a mistake. They sinned. God's grace is unlimited supply to someone who's hope-filled enough to seek God for help and to seek God to help them begin again. If you ever learn anything from this message, learn this fact, that if you want to learn to fall forward, because you're going to fall, and you want to fall forward, you want to begin again. Give yourself permission to begin again. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you have held yourself back from progressing in Christ because you haven't given yourself permission to begin again. Give yourself the permission you need to begin again. And advice... Number five, if you can't look up, you never move forward. I want to say it again because I've got competition here. If you can't look up, you never move forward. Here's another one-liner from the book of Proverbs that you can live by. Proverbs 29, verse 18. I'm going to read it in the message paraphrase. Proverbs 29, 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Isn't that true? Any people, any community, any nation... Any church that sets its sight on God has successful progress. But any people, any community, any nation, any church that turns away from God will regress in their progress. This is true history I'm talking to you about right now. February 12, 2010, shortly after the earthquake that devastated the nation of Haiti, the president of Haiti called his nation to three days of fasting and prayer, called his nation to humble itself before God and seek his help in restoring their nation. And over one million Haitians spent the next three days fasting and calling out to God. It totally changed the nation. And in the weeks that followed, the climate of Haiti changed and thousands, thousands came to Christ, including over a hundred voodoo priests came to know Jesus. Listen, the progress of your life will always be determined by the direction of your sight. That's why Paul says in Hebrews chapter 2, keep looking up. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, 
and let us run with endurance the rate that is, race that is set before us. And then he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Can I just say this to you? You will always know the way if you keep looking up. You always know what to do if you keep looking up. You'll always move forward even when you fall. You'll always move forward if you keep looking up. No matter what happens, look up. Because that's where your hope is. That's where your help is. That's where Jesus is the author and finisher of all things. No matter what happens, sorrow may endure for the night in your life, but joy will come in the morning. No matter what happens, you may not be, you, you will not be overwhelmed. You'll not be overcome. No matter what happens, keep looking up and you will always move forward. Keep looking up. Because if you can't look up, you never go ahead. Some practical advice from one proverb. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he always rises again. Would you bow your head just for a moment, please, everybody? Thank you so much. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you in this message? What's he saying to you? I'm so glad that Jesus loves us enough not to leave us the way we are. I'm so glad that even though we have our limits, God's not limited. I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad that God's grace is unlimited if we can humble ourselves. Today, I believe God has given you the opportunity to begin again. God has given you the opportunity to move forward. Can I give you a piece of advice? Take the opportunity. Don't leave this place in the presence of God without taking the opportunity to begin again. Don't leave this place without taking the opportunity to be born again. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your spiritual opportunity. This is your time to get saved. This is the opportunity God's given you to begin again for eternity. Maybe you've been struggling with this religious attitude that you've got to be perfect. You've been afraid of falling. You've been hiding your mistakes from others, thinking that denial is faith. It's not. It's denial. Maybe you're here and you know you need this opportunity. It's time for you to begin again. God's grace is sufficient for every weakness you have. So in a moment, we're going to sing one more worship song. And when we do, we're going to have leaders here in the front ready to pray for you. For whatever need you have, but especially if you need to 
begin again. If you need to just fall forward, if you need God's grace and God's help in your life, whatever your need is today, we want to pray for you, and we know God's going to answer our prayers today. So as we stand to sing in just a moment, I want to encourage you to step up from where you are and come down and receive prayer. Father, thank you so much.